Hello, it's Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. We're here for you on an emergency Gridiron Stud Show because what was that yesterday? Holy crap, that was the best weekend of NFL divisional, whatever, whatever round this was. That was the best conglomeration of football games I have ever seen in my entire life, Emil. And you can't the- write them up. It's almost like if, if they gave some guy in Hollywood the job of writing those games up with endings, I don't think you could make them up like that. Emil, it seemed thick. And we're going to jump into each and every one of these games in this show that we are doing, this impromptu show that we're doing here for you uh, to, uh, to, to, to discuss all that went on yesterday. Not even just yesterday, this weekend. I'm going to rush to get into this. So let's just follow protocol here. If this is your first time joining us, go ahead and subscribe right now on whatever you are using to stream this, whether it's Apple podcast, Spotify, anchor, whatever you're using to listen to this, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. You won't be disappointed. We're at this thing every week. We give you some nice content here. You know, this is ESPN worthy. This is Fox worthy. We're just not on those platforms. So well, I actually feel that's a slight <laughs> to who? To us. Yeah, you know what I mean? There's so many podcasts out there that are just not getting it done. We're actually getting it done. So go ahead and hit the subscribe button. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Emil on Facebook, E-M-I-L-C-A-L-O-M-I-N-O. I hope you wrote that down. He's a good follow. Talks about everything from world affairs to sporting affairs. And he'll touch a nerve here or there. And some of you out there really like getting your nerves touched. Um, I'm also on, well, not also, I'm on Facebook, but I don't really send anyone there. If you're on Facebook, go see this guy. He's the guy you want to see. On Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram, that's where I'm at, at Gridiron Studs. I keep it simple for you. Go ahead and check me out there. A wide range of things are done on those social platforms. You will also not be very disappointed. Amel, Let's jump into this thing. As I was saying, this thing almost seemed fake. It seemed fake the way every game came down to the last moment. And you know what, Emil? Just like a whole movie, the best was saved for last. It just doesn't seem right. Is the NFL fake? Let me ask you, because this is going to dictate how we go about going through these games. Are you a guy, right? You order yourself a really nice, juicy burger that you're really looking forward to, okay? And they give you fries with it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you go right for the burger, or do you you pick on a few fries? I, yeah, I got you. Got to dig into the fries. Who just grabs the burger like that? Who does that out there? There are people. I'm like you. I I, I want to look at that burger. I want to smell it for a while. So I start with the fries. So I suggest, based on that, because it worked out perfectly, let's start with the first game Saturday and end our little emergency podcast with the burger, which was. The game last night. I mean, that's how this thing flowed. It was a pick at the fries, and then you eventually got to the burger. And, uh, man, you were full by the time the the clock ran out in that Kansas City-Buffalo game. So, yeah, let's just start it off with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. Emil, you and I um, did not pick this game. By the way, folks, um, you know, for those of you who paid attention, I went 0-3 yesterday. It's the most, <laughs> it's the most entertaining 0-3 <laughs> I've ever gone handicapping ever. In my life, I just was not uh, too bummed out by it. 
any one of those games, I could have been three and oh, just as well as I could have. Sure. Yeah. And I was one and two. So I was entertained as well. And honestly, this game, we neither one of us picked, but we both, you know, had a slight lean to Cincinnati. We thought it would probably should have picked it. We should have. Um, you know, all these games, I think what, what makes what I wanted to do as emergency podcast is because when games are close, like this weekend, as close the closest round of four playoff games in NFL history. They said I thought you were gonna say the closest uh round of four play. I was like, hey, we're 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 delving into <laughs> we're a family show here. Uh no, but honestly, uh when you get games this close, it leaves every decision up to scrutiny, right? Because Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of idiots this weekend. But I'll tell you something. This game, the one thing that struck me, and I don't know if we didn't talk about this one at all, I don't believe, but were you kind of on Saturday when Tennessee scored to tie the game in the second quarter, were you kind of taken a little bit back by Vrabel going for two? <laughs> was I taken back? I, You know what? If I was taken back, it was by Vrabel being the person to do this. He doesn't strike me as the analytics type guy, the guy that, you know, some sheet tells him to do this. There may be a guy on his staff who's that, and he may have him right now in a headlock somewhere in the Tennessee Titans facility for, you know, even suggesting that. But it just doesn't seem like a Mike Vrabel kind of thing to do. And you know what, Amo? I want to say of all the games that little small thing might've had the biggest impact. I mean, it, oh, it was huge. And you know, there's people listening to this podcast right now going, what is Emil talking about? The Bengals won by three. Who cares if the Titans had an extra point, but listen, so if you understand game flow, you know, better than that. Oh yeah. At the end of that ball game. I mean, let's suppose he kicks the extra. And since it was only an extra, let's even suppose the rest of the game plays out pretty close to how it did. In that last five minutes of the ball game, Tennessee's got a 17-16 lead, which totally changes the way they go about playing the game. And even when they went and scored at the end, when they were trying to score, when Tannehill threw the pick, they're running the ball at that point. I mean, right. Which is something, you know, that probably doesn't happen. So again, I don't understand why Vrabel did it. He's not an analytics guy. He's not Mike McCarthy. Who, uh, cooked, who cooked up something? <laughs> in his basement. You have to rub it in. Let's just let that simmer I, until next September. Listen, I've just got to <laughs> let. The, I just can't get over that guy looking like uh, a should be retired cop coaching on the sidelines of Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, he looks like that that guy in the show with Melissa McCarthy. The two. Just, yeah, he just looks like the detective that does not close any cases. But anyway, um, I was just a little bit surprised by it. And you know what, Emil? I've just come to this conclusion after a whole season of this analytics for some reason just exploded on us this year and i'm over it amel um yeah maybe it has a place in this game but in in my mind as someone who's played it and coached it early on in a football game you are to apply pressure and you do that by getting points get points get points get points what's the easiest thing to do even with the ball moved back for these extra points kick the damn extra point you have the lead when you do that the well, risk reward on going for two has a no place sense. in everything in life. But, you know, when we go through life, we make decisions and you, you take several factors into consideration. That can be one of them at different points. But I don't know how you can just blindly go about making decisions. Well, the sheet says when they move it to the one yard line, go for two. You miss that point. And in many cases, now it didn't happen in this game, but in a higher scoring game, teams begin chasing that point. So now the next time they score, they feel like, well, we missed that. We have to go for two to get back to 
seven plus seven. Then they miss another one. Before you know it, you get to the end of a game, it's in the 30s. You'll, I've seen games this year where teams have literally thrown away three points in a ball game because they went for two or three times. Yeah, nonsense. You're the Tennessee Titans. You run, you choke people out when you get a lead. You kick the extra point, you make it seven, six. Let's say the Bengals get the ball back. They don't score. You go down there close, get get a three points, and it's 10 to six. Now the Bengals are going to start to panic because they're not going to get a whole bunch of possessions. That's the thought process for them. They've got a great running game. They're going to run the clock down. Every possession for the Titans is going to take four or five minutes off the clock. We have to get a touchdown, and it's 10 to six. Maybe they call different plays. They turn the ball over. Whatever they put too many, they throw too many passes with Joe Burrow. Whatever you go up 17 6, Amel, that game's over. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, you know, and I let me ask you because you're a student of the game. Have you do you ever recall, at least in your recent memory, a quarterback getting dropped nine times in a game and being the winning quarterback? It's just not something that happens if we're talking about if you want to go into numbers and like analytics that we mentioned. It's just not what's supposed to happen. You know, you drop the quarterback that many times, you block a kick, you return a kick for a touchdown. These are the things that win you football games. But um, when games are played close to the best, the way that Tennessee plays games, then, yeah, it's against any other opponent that was in this uh, in the playoffs. You could see that happening against the Tennessee Titans. So, man, you've got to take your hat off to Joe Burrow. Emil, I watched Joe Burrow in person his junior year at LSU. And I've got to tell you, he was quite unremarkable. They played the Florida Gators. Um, I believe, no, they actually lost the game. He threw a pick six in the game that ended it. He threw an interception to uh, Brad Stewart from Florida, who ran it back for a touchdown. And I believe it was one of four wins that Florida had that year in a terrible season. But he was, for the entirety of the game, unremarkable. He looked like Every other LSU quarterback, and you know what that is, a game manager um, that relies on the running game and playing defense. That was LSU football. And then and then something happened. Everyone says it's Joe Brady. All right, sure, we can give him credit. But from that point on, Emil, he's been Joe Montana-esque. He's the, he's the next big thing um, in the NFL at that quarterback position. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of stars right now. At yeah. He looks, he looks really good. And he's a, he's a guy I can root for. I like him. He seems like a good kid. Um, and, kudos, and kudos to the Bengals. Cause they could have made a number of picks. Kudos to them getting his college teammate. And the two of them have such a connection right now that um, I think there's a chance they could beat the Kansas city chiefs. Sure. I mean, why not when you have two guys playing like that? I mean, on the other side of this, though, I have to ask you something. We have a friend of the show and I won't I won't use his name to save him embarrassment. He texted us and said that, uh, you know, maybe we're right about Tampa Hill because <laughs> <laughs> finally he admitted this. Yes. He'd been trolling us all along. But nevertheless, Amos first pass in the game was an interception. His first pass of the second half was an interception. His last pass in the game was an interception. So I think we know what Ryan Tannehill is. He probably knows this himself. He knows he's not Pat Mahomes. He knows he's not Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. He's a he's he's a manager of the game, and you've got to have a good running game, and you've got to have good parts around him. He is Trent Dilfer. 
And well, I think fans don't get it. Like he can look great from time to time, but here's the thing. I mean, you know, to oversimplify it, when you have a guy like Henry running the football, play action is going to open up very big windows for a guy um, that he needs. He's just not a guy that's going to stick throws in like some of the better quarterbacks in the league. I mean, that's all. And they don't ask him to do that, though. No, you know no, I mean? they it's don't. Just, I know. Yeah, it's just not something whether they think he can do it or not. He does just not a whole lot of practice doing that. It's And it's not the kind of offense that they run. And you know what? Derrick Henry wasn't ripping off the big runs. He was getting four and five here or there, but there were no big runs that required the tenant required the Bengals to really change anything that they were doing defensively. So when he did drop back to pass, there were a lot of things back there that he doesn't normally see. There were a lot more bodies back there because Henry wasn't hurting them. Amal, I don't know why the Tennessee Titans don't just rip a page out of the book of your favorite team um, from what they did in the nineties. You've got a running back. You've got two big time wide receivers. You've got a tight end. That's the kind of football that they should play offensively. And well, you, you know, it was weird. I mean, Henry was obviously slowed by that injury to me. He was knocking the rust off. I mean, not playing in so long. I mean, 20 carries, 62 yards. Longest run was nine yards. Foreman, who did a very good job when he was out, I mean, had four carries, 66 yards and ripped off a 45 yard run. Mm hmm. I mean, maybe that, you know, in retrospect, maybe they should have balanced their carries a little bit more because, again, you, you know, what, what did Henry miss? Eight weeks? Uh, well, you know what, Amol? You ride you ride the horse that really yeah, I get it, got but... you there. I didn't see anything in the way Henry was running that would say, he, he you know, the injury slowed him down. Sometimes you just got to give the defense credit. And there weren't a whole lot of opportunities this weekend to, to do that. Um, and I just you just got to take your hat off to the Bengals. First of all, all three of those interceptions in the game were remarkable. Um, the play by Mike Hilton, the, the nickelback coming off the corner and jumping up, batting the ball to himself and catching it and taking three points away. Cause I believe that was in the red zone, definitely in field goal range. Yep. was a very, very big play in the game. And so um, you've got to take your hat off to the Bengals played really, really good defense. That's two weeks in a row. Now they did well against the Raiders. They did well against Tennessee. They packed that kind of defense going to Arrowhead. Amel, we could see the Cincinnati Bengals and they're basically half a rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl. I know. And you know what? We'll, when we get to the, sh the show later this week, we'll handicap that game. Um, I think there's some things that are, that are, and we'll see what you think when we get to it, but there's some things they're going to have to do because that game could, to me, I feel like they could win it. I also feel like they could get their doors blown off. Yeah, uh, it can go either way. And I haven't taken a hard look at it. No. In fact, I don't even know the line. Don't want to know the line right now. So um, I haven't even gone so far as to do that. Let's slide over to the night game. Emil, there are a lot of people saying San Francisco in this game. Uh, I, for one, obviously was not one of them. Neither were you. We both nope. went Green Bay in this game. You figure Aaron Rodgers at home rested the Packers, finally getting all their guys back and healthy. It's eight degrees before the wind blows out there, so we probably were below zero. It's a team from California, albeit a physical football team. I was not expecting the game to end the way that it did. And you know what, Emil? It probably shouldn't have. This game turned on a blocked punt, um, and it just goes to show how important all three phases of the game are. But I don't know. Listen, I've got 
this weekend, even though they're both out of this thing, this weekend really showed the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Oh, and maybe, you know, I'll wait till we get to the Tampa Bay game to 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 give you a hardcore football analysis on what it is I saw. But there is a distinct difference between these two guys and why there are so many uh, Super Bowls separating the two. Uh, you know, them. and I know it might be the low hanging fruit, but it's just obvious to me. I mean, this is a guy as far as throwing the football is definitely in my life one of the two or three best I've ever seen. It's just pure spinning the football, okay? Throwing into windows and and all the things that that make you a great quarterback, not making tons of mistakes, okay? But he's got one Super Bowl appearance and one win. That's it. And, you know, this is the fourth time that I count up that Green Bay has lost at home as a number one seed. Pretty Uh, amazing, don't you think? Amazing, right? Maybe you don't um, do the number one seed thing anymore. Maybe you need to be a wild card. Whatever. But here's here's the thing. I made this comment on Sunday, and I obviously took Green Bay in the game like you. I felt they'd win the game. I was wrong. But if you look at the last 25 years, other than 2010, what separates the Packers and the Cowboys other than major flameouts and big spots? Um. <laughs> Not much other than the fact that they've had a golden arm at quarterback. Well, my point is they won in 96 with Brett Favre. Okay, the Cowboys won in 95. So that makes it really nice. Let's start start from 97 forward. That's 25 seasons the Packers have had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks as their, their, their quarterbacks. And in the 25 years from 1997 through, the, yes, this year, they've made two Super Bowls and won one. Yeah, I mean, if we're, we're going to boil everything down to Super Bowls, then, yeah, you have a point. Um, how are they on playoff appearances? Oh, no, they made they, – I mean, I did this because one of my friends and I were talking about it. They, the, in that time, like, they made the playoffs 19 times. The Cowboys only made it 11. I'm not trying to say it's a perfect comparison. I'm trying to say in in not rising up in the big moments, we have fun with the Cowboys because they've in the, they've done a lot of this kind of crap as a fan, I can tell you over the last quarter century. Well, the Packers aren't much much better. They're saved from the the scrutiny only by the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, my, that's my. Opinion. I, w- I would agree. I think it's rather odd that we have not had a Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady Super Bowl. Um, you know, over the years, that not was- Tom's fault. He's been there ten times. Yeah, Tom, Tom's there every other year. Yeah, I will say this, Emil. I'm not surprised by any of this. Uh, I don't know if we've ever actually, you know, have. I've ever actually talked about this on the show or, you know, we've just had conversations about this. I've seen this already. I grew up with this in South Florida. Um, and that was Dan Marino. You just get mesmerized by a guy's arm talent, but then you realize, uh, and the common fan, I think struggles with this, but there's more to being a quarterback than arm talent. There's a lot that goes into it. And it's a lot of it is mental and things unseen that people just can't understand. So, I, you know, I guess we're going to get into this conversation now. But whereas you have a guy like Tom Brady who is of the mindset of making things work, you know, just give me whatever it is we got here. Here's what we got. I'll, you know, we're going to make this thing work. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that, for lack of a, you know, a better phrase or term, just finds ways to not have things work. It doesn't go exactly the way that he wants whether it's have a player on the team that he wants on the team or run the plays that he thinks should be run, 
Um, he just kind of shit cans it and that's it. It's up in smoke. Well, let me ask you this. And that's a great point. And, you know, we, you and I over the years have, have kind of both on the show and just personally talked about Marino down there. And, and what you're saying to me, I, 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 I kind of find it funny. All these fan bases that need a quarterback like the Steelers now and, you know, maybe the Giants and whoever else, Denver, they all want to trade every pick they have to the Packers to get Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. And I'm saying, okay, he's 38 years old. Not everybody's going to be Tom Brady and play till they're 44 or 45 at a high level. Matter of fact, most people aren't. The second thing is, what's going to change? I mean, he's had everything he's needed to win in Green Bay. And if he says he has it, he's lying. No, he hasn't. I would disagree. Well, what what are you trying to say he hasn't had? He's had defenses. I mean, they weren't a bad defensive football team. What Aaron Rodgers has not had in Green Bay that it has seemed to me in the last maybe six or seven years that he's sorely needed is what Peyton Manning had for a good part of his career. Is, you know what, if I'm the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, I would put whatever ego I have aside and I would just let Aaron Rodgers call the plays. I would just let him do what Peyton Manning did because if when the play calls come in and he doesn't like them, the guy will throw the ball out of bounds. He'll just throw the ball. <laughs> You're right. He does do that. <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll throw it to the ground. Um, you know what? If that's how you feel, then you know what? You can be totally 100% responsible for what happens in games from an offensive standpoint. Go ahead and call the plays. But I think you're almost making my point and your own point for me because somehow the guy that's the greatest quarterback that ever played that's been to 10 Super Bowls and won seven, he can somehow make all this work with other people. It's just not in his DNA. And I've learned this as a coach. You can't really force guys to, to, to do things they can't do. And I just don't think Aaron Rodgers really is a collaborative kind of guy. He's got to run the whole show. So if you want... If you want to get the most out of that talent, which, you know, you and I can both agree, top five arm talent of sure. all time. If you want to get the most out of that, then you're just going to really have to cater to it. And it might seem crazy to some people. Um, maybe sometimes as a coach, your ego won't allow it. But I feel like if he would have had a, to- a Tony Dungy as a head coach, or maybe, you know what, maybe a Dom Capers, who was a really, really great defensive coordinator for the Packers if they elevated him to head coach and Dom Caper says well you know what we'll have a guy whose title is offensive coordinator but really um, Aaron you're going to call the plays this guy here will just kind of be an overseer but you're not going to get in your way and you know what I'm going to really take care of what we do defensively right here and we'll hold people to 17 18 19 points a game and you take over this thing because you've been at this for a while. You're a smart guy and you could just take full responsibility for everything that happens over there. Let's see what happens. They might've been in the Super Bowl more than once and they may have more Maybe. than one title. Maybe, but then at this also- point, that's what I would do. If I'm bringing him on I'm, I'm another team, I'm Denver or whatever. If Denver wants to hire Dan Quinn, if I'm Dan Quinn and I'm a defensive guy and we bring in Aaron Rodgers, Aaron, man, run this thing, call these plays, put your offense in just like Peyton did when he came over here. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, it can't hurt at this point. He probably would have did well with Barry Switzer because I, I swear when I used to watch Switzer on the headset when he was coaching the Cowboys. Why I did he have a headset, his... though? Why, why was he on there? 
that's what I used to wonder. Why is he on the headset? Because I thought he was ordering dinner or something. Like yeah, that. let's not fool. Let's not fool around here. I just want you to walk around. Don't mess your hair up or anything. Um, <laughs> and just keep guys off the off coming off the sideline, buried because we know what it is. Just let everybody else do their work. There's nothing wrong with that, Amo. There really isn't. If it works and they win, what the hell? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just stay out of the freaking way. Do the press conferences. And we'll be just fine. Hey, listen, you're preaching to the choir. I take anybody that can make it work at this point. Yeah, there's sometimes um, you can just get in the way. Um, and and I think that's what's happened with Aaron Rodgers. So let me ask you, as we go through this game, the 49ers, they, they made it happen on special teams. And often these tight ball games turn on special teams. Um, you know, they didn't do much offensively. I think they had 210 or 215 yards of offense. They moved the ball, but like in between the 20s. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, where do the Packers go from here? Do, do they make every effort to keep Rodgers? Do they trade him? What, what, what do you think they do? Uh, I think it really boils down to whether or not they're able to sign Devontae Adams. He's not going to line up at quarterback for the Green Bay Packers without having that guy um, there. So I think that's just what it boils down to. If you are the Packers, you've got to make an all-out effort to sign Devontae Adams. I think Devontae Adams would do well to not um, – get a little bit over too much over his skis and go thinking that he can be this same guy wherever he goes. Devontae Adams has been what he's been because he's had an all-time great at quarterback. And sometimes it's difficult for guys to understand that. And, um, you know, where is he going to go? Is he going to go into Kansas City and be one of the guys? Um, you know, wh- where would he go? Where, can he go to Dallas and be that same guy? Does he have I mean, that how, connection? How with many that? times you watch a guy like him who's a very good player, but a guy like Rodgers throws him open? You know what I mean? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, he's 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 very much connected to that quarterback. Is he's a great wide receiver, but he is where he is in terms of stature in this league because he had Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. So I think a lot boils down to that. You sign Devontae Adams, then I think you have a chance to bring Aaron Rodgers back. And I think that's going to play a big part in his decision. As he said, he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. Well, what do you think the chances are? Cause he, he's definitely a guy that marches to the beat of his own drummer. You know, as we've talked about, I mean, what, what, I, just, what, what I would do personally is what I just talked about. Try to sign Devonte Adams. If I bring Aaron Rodgers back, I give him a lot more control of that offense. You know, I basically let him call the plays and, um, I'd I'd fall back as Le, as Lafleur. You know what I mean? Um, right. Take anything away from me. Sometimes you can show your power by not exercising your ego. Here you go, Aaron. I don't know how much longer you're going to play. Two years, whatever. Um, go ahead and call the plays. If you go out there and call the plays and you put up 35, 40 points a game, and we march through the playoffs and we make it to a Super Bowl, man, you got to give Matt Lafleur. I'll give Matt Lafleur all the credit in the world. Oh, hey, listen, that's your job as the CEO. Your job is to make it work. So now. My question- now I will say this, Emil, you give Aaron Rodgers all that control and it's a it's you know, it's a real turd burger, then it's like, hey Aaron, listen, we've done all we can do here. I think it's the Jordan Love era. You can go out um and call it call it a career, man. It just, you know, you didn't pile up, you didn't pile up the Super Bowls. Unfortunately, you came in with another all-time great but you'll be remembered in this game and let's just go out the way that you're supposed to go out and call it a day. I would give it one year of that. <laughs> well, give me I mean. a percentage that he quits. What, what do you think the ch- chances of Aaron Rodgers saying, eh, I'm done? Um, 65-35 against. 
okay. has to be a certain amount of frustration for him at this point. You're never going to catch uh, Tom Brady nope. in terms of Super Bowl wins. That's not going to happen. Um, I don't know if you will be able to pile up the kind of numbers that Peyton did. Um, I think you might be behind Drew if you care about that kind of stuff. So what are you chasing? And you'll never be as popular with the Packers as Brett Favre. Right. So what are you chasing at this point? Are you chasing the wind? I don't know. So, you know, I might even be, I might've been a little too generous on that. It might be 60, 40 that he comes back. And a lot of that's tied into whether if Devontae Adams doesn't sign back with this team, Aaron Rodgers is definitely not coming back to Green Bay and he may just hang it up altogether. Yeah, well, we're going to find out, and that moves us to the next great because you had a lot. Well, to yeah, talk well, about. listen, no, let's not leave just yet. I do want to give, I do want to make sure we give the right amount of props to the San Francisco 49ers because there's a certain amount of grit to this football team that was down 17 points in the second half of their final regular season game on the road against a division rival that looks very, very strong right now. And they mustered up enough to bring it all the way back and win that game. Um, they go on the road and win their opening playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys in a very heated back-and-forth football game that went down to the wire. You go to Green Bay, and it just looks like, oh, this is not our day. Um, you know, they've got us smothered here, and they figure out a way to win a ball game. They're a very dangerous team, and they have as much of a chance of being in that last game as anyone. So got to take your hats off. To that. And then, oh, you absolutely. If you Debo Samuels, Emil? That's a football player. Oh, I like him. He's he's he, he's a guy I really enjoy watching play. Yeah, between yeah, the kick he's... returns um, and, you know, there have been a lot of teams that have lined up wide receivers at running back, but that's to run outside the tackles. <laughs> this guy's running up in the A-holes. No, no, he's <laughs> – he, he's. I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting later this week because I really want to handicap that game with you, so I won't get too much into it. I think it's going to – I think that NFC Championship game – is very interesting for a lot of different reasons. Um, yes. And again, I don't know any lines right now. And that is deliberate. Do I. I haven't even looked. Yeah. So, you know, props to the San Francisco 49ers. Typically I would not want to see a, a, you know, a, a rubber match as a uh, NFC. Not even a rubber match. Well, is it not? No, they won. They beat them twice this year. Oh, that's true. That is very true. Well, a third time match. Yes. But um, this thing is super, super interesting, and um, I'm, I just don't know what's going to happen there. So I'm anxious to see. But we will by that. Wednesday or Thursday when we do our show. We'll tell you what's going to happen. Absolutely. So let's slide now on over to Sunday. Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside app right now. Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card and cashback will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts, and loyalty programs. First, you claim your offer. Find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, you spend. You shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts. Check in to log your purchase and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee, and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started. <laughs> ben, what were you thinking at halftime of that Tampa Bay 
Los Angeles Rams. Well, you know what I was thinking as it was going down. I mean, honestly, there's something about teams like the Rams that I think I don't know if that when they get ahead in a game like that, they just wait for something bad to happen. But it's almost like this negative energy. Like I was sitting there saying, is this team like trying to lose this game? I mean, Cam Akers alone, that's a 14-point swing. He fumbles on Tampa Bay's one mm-hmm. when they really could have had a knockout blow in the first half. Mm-hmm. Then he fumbles on his own 30, handing the Buccaneers essentially seven. Mm-hmm. So there's 14 points. You got a center snapping the ball over Stafford's head when he isn't looking. Um, I, I don't know. Like, a slew I, of errors that, oh. you know, th- just like what you said about the Bengals game with Burrow getting sacked nine times, when you make those kind of errors in a football game, a playoff football game, on the road, you have no business winning the game. Somehow they were able to do it. But I'm with you, man. You know, they self-destructed in the second half of that game against San Francisco. And here they are doing it again. And I know what happened against San Francisco had to play into their minds as things started to unravel in Tampa yesterday. So, God forbid. I mean, let me ask you about at the end of the third quarter, I think the score was Mm 27-13. Didn't you feel, at least I did, watching that game, that the the Rams should have been up by about 24 or 28 points? Sure. But also when it was, it was 27, three at a certain point. Yeah. For some reason, Amal, I guess you can call it the Tom Brady effect. I did not feel like the game was over. Well, no, because you've seen that movie before, but I'm not saying you felt it was over, but didn't you feel like just watching the way the game was being played? Yeah, they were dominating. I mean, Brady was getting hit. I mean, I forget. He got sacked four times. I think hurried. He got a busted lip. Oh, poor, I know. I do got to say this. I think that was BS by Hockley um, calling that penalty on Tom Brady. Oh, that wasn't a penalty. Listen, if 25 years ago, I was with my my, my family, my son's-in-law watching the game. I said, 25 years ago, that wouldn't even generate a second look. They used to hit Steve Young and Troy Aikman, the poor guys that get up with their brain scrambled. And this guy got... He, he tried to hold him up almost. Yeah. Give me a um, I mean, here's Brady arguing his case with a busted lip. And, you know, Hockley didn't have enough. Um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Enough sense to just say, OK, I might have missed this call. This guy's going to be upset. They're behind. He's got a he's talking to me here with a busted lip. I'm going to just let things slide. He calls a penalty. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. I, yeah, but I, mean, I, I mean, I didn't think it was a penalty on Miller either. Did you? I did. Um, he, you know, by today's standards. Oh, by today's standards? I'm yeah. saying. No, but football- definitely by today's standards. He launched with the helmet and he might have even been late. I mean, Von Miller can pull up on a play like that, but he launched himself into him. Top of his helmet makes contact with uh, Brady's head, pops his head back some. I don't know how hockey. How about as a late 40s guy that watched a lot of football? What was it? It didn't seem like a penalty to me. I'm sorry. Well, listen, we've come from an era where we saw Bradshaw suplexed and guys got flipped over. And um, yeah, but we, let's just say we're intelligent enough to have adjusted to what the game is now. Yes. And by today's standards, that's definitely a penalty. Um, you can't hit Tom Brady like that. Come on. So anyway. and, yeah, I didn't like hockey throwing the flag. Well, right no, total BS is like we didn't come here to see you guys. So um, I'm glad the NFL. I was a little concerned getting towards the end of the season, worrying about the NFL refereeing that I saw this year. There was a stupid taunting penalty that um, that occurred, you know, yesterday. But um, 
I'm, I'm happy it just hasn't totally unraveled these great games that we saw this weekend because it was a concern of mine. Nevertheless, the Bucks worked their way back into this thing. They had help, um, but kudos to them for making the plays. You know what I do question, Amel? I don't like the call um, on the play with Mike Evans when Weddle hit him late because the ball hit the ground. Oh, that, that was weird because if the ball stayed up in the air, it would have it continued the drive. Yeah, and Evans was the one that batted the ball down almost. It just seemed like, no, that's yeah. really not how that should go. This It almost like gives the defense an incentive to do something like that. Well, if that ball can hit the ground, I can smack a guy if I need to tune him up a little bit, and we could still get that ball back just 15 yards back. Right? Yeah, you and I have talked about this. There's something with the NFL. They've got to sit down, and I don't know if they ever will because they don't care what we think, and look at their playbook or their rule book and realize it reads like the IRS code. It's, it's quirky. Too complicated. Yeah, it's quirky. Like, come on. And, that, you're, you know, you're giving these referees a whole lot to think about. But um, nevertheless, Amal, I just felt sick to my stomach that the Bucks worked their way all the way back into this thing. And I really felt like they had some momentum and they were on their way to winning this game. And then a peculiar defensive call at the end of the game from a defensive coach that, you know, is solid. He's as good as they come in calling defenses, just had a brain fart moment and put your safety, your, you know, your least your least of your cover men back there, one-on-one with the NFL's leading wide receiver just seemed bad all the way around, even if you get pressure in there. No safety help, which means a quarterback can just throw a ball up in the air. And Cooper Cup is a guy with great ball skills. You just put that safety at a really, really... Listen, I'm not saying this after it happened. I said it when it was happening, when they were lying. I'm saying you got a bracket coverage, that guy at that point in the game. 100%. You've got to do the Cooper <laughs> Cup what the 49ers were doing to Devontae Adams. Um, what I'd hope that the Bills would have done to Tyreek Hill, but I, I can kind of understand them not doing it because you've got another guy in Kelsey that could hurt you. But I don't know. Listen, Van Jefferson's a really good wide receiver. Obviously, Odell Beckham's a good wide receiver, but in that spot, I'm bracketing that guy. I'm playing man on everyone else, and I'm still keeping, even with the bracket, a safety. Listen, the analogy I've given people is no different in other sports, right? At the end of a ball game, uh, you're playing the Chicago Bulls. There was other great players on the Bulls, but if I'm losing, I'm making Scottie Pippen make the shot. I'm running a double team at Jordan and getting the ball out of his hands. I'm not going to get let the best guy beat me. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, Baseball, I'm not pitching to Derek Jeter if Scott Brocious is on on deck and there's a base open. Amel, Barry Bonds got walked with the bases loaded, okay? Um, right. This is just what you've got to do. You've got to take a page out of the Bill Belichick playbook, which is I'll take my best cover guy, I'll put him on your second best wide receiver, and we'll double team the best guy. And that's what should have happened in that spot. Um, I don't know what Todd Bowles was thinking about in that. I, I, I don't know. As a safety, yes. Football is a is a macho game. I can't even say this, Emil, because I just realized Tampa Bay didn't have any timeouts. So there wasn't really anything that guy could do. If there was a timeout, though, I might have burned that bad boy. Hey, wait, hey, excuse me, Todd <laughs> got me one-on-one with this cup guy that's really around 2,000 yards receiving. Probably not a good idea. I'm going to give you another <laughs> chance at this, Coach. You want to call something different? Because this ain't it. And let's give credit. We're, you know, we're here, we're here lobbing some insults at the Rams for, for the meltdown, but you know, Stafford made the throw he had to make. 
I give him credit. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I've been eating crow on that anyway because my my oldest uh, my oldest son Quincy and I had a back and forth about what we thought Matthew Stafford would be, and he was insisting on me that he's going to be a he's going to be super nice as a Los Angeles Ram, and I was telling them I don't know about that. I'd pump my brakes on it. And I started off being wrong this season. And then we had a stretch in the middle where I was like, I told you. And now he's all the yokes on my face and he's, has, he won't hesitate to let me know. So, well, I mean, listen, he, he made the throw yesterday and he played a great game, but he you did. Know, you got to give it to him. I'm to not going to take anything. You know, away. to your credit, I think you were both half right. I mean, Quincy's right. He threw 41 touchdowns during a regular season. No doubt a big year. He also had 17 picks. Yeah. And it does help the cast that he has, but that was part of why he thought, uh, right, right. Yeah. But I mean, 17 picks in today's game is a lot. It is. Um, you know, listen, they got it together. The Rams are a really, really great team. I it's, you know, San Francisco got I'm telling you, as a guy who's been in SoFi Stadium, Los Angeles, like Miami's a front running town. But when that front running is going, it's going. And that place was a party when I was there a couple of weeks ago. There's no telling what it's going to be like. Although, Emil, although, although, although I'm hearing the cheapest ticket mm-hmm. to get into SoFi this weekend is $750. Wow. As of today. You mean for but, like bad seats? Uh, yeah. Um, bleeders where you're going to be. I'll tell you, it's funny. I was texting with your brother before who lives in Los Angeles and you were there back in the 80s. So I, this is, you know, post that era mm-hmm. but my experience and you know i get out there enough watching i've watched games in hotel bars and sports bars out there during football season the the raiders the cowboys the 49ers and the steelers all have more fans in los angeles than the rams well that might be the case in this game um on sunday if the tickets are 750 dollars, which i find to be completely outrageous you're not going to get you're not going to get the diehard fan in there for that amount. A guy certainly can't bring his family into this game if 750 is the cheapest way to go. No, nope. I see a lot of these tickets getting put on resale, and I see a lot of 49er fans buying this. Emil, it's probably going to be 50-50 in that stadium. If right? not so, more. I mean, they, yeah. they they were they were making more noise last game than the Rams. Yeah, um, we're looking at that with these kind of ticket prices. And you know what? The powers that be don't really care. They just want to sell seats. And um, you can expect Matt Stafford's wife to have something to say about it because at best, I think it's 50, 50. They're going to resell those damn tickets. Please so believe me on that. Let's now, now I'm ready to eat the burger because yeah, let's, let's get on and grab this thing. Yeah. I'm going to grab this thing. Cause I'm telling you, I never saw a quarterback played and I understand the rules are a lot different today than even 20 years ago, but I've never seen two guys play quarterback at that level in that big of a game the way those two guys played last night. Absolutely outstanding. Um, And I'll start off by saying what a talent Josh Allen is. I posted this on Twitter. It was a picture of John Elway and Cam Newton. I said, these two guys had a baby and they called it John. Yeah, that's a good analogy, by the way. Yeah, that's the (laughs) arm talent. That's the running ability, which, you know, by the way, John had running talent early in his career, but um, no one has really run the football outside of Michael Vick. Um, and Lamar Jackson, the way Josh Allen does. Josh Allen is not a Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick. That's not the running style. It's more Cam Newton where he'll bully his way through there and he has a good amount of speed, et cetera, et cetera. And he can, he can reach any part of the field with that football. Oh, 
as can Patrick Mahomes. But I was very impressed with Mahomes' mobility yesterday and the way he tight ropes that sideline, making you want to knock the piss out of him as a defender, which you know you can't do was very instrumental early on in the game and getting the Chiefs down the football. Well, he's every bit the athlete Allen is. I mean, here's the thing. Mahomes is smart enough or maybe just a different style, but he knows how to do it without taking hits. I love watching Josh Allen. I just wonder, you know, at some point, that style is going to get you lit up. Well, until then, we're just going to have to enjoy it because he's a young man running around. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, listen, it's fun to watch. And I, I don't wish, I don't cheer for anybody to get hurt. I just, I'm not like that, but I'm just saying I've, I've been around long enough to know that eventually someone's going to square you up. Yeah. And Emil, this um, early on in the game, it looked like the defenses might've been doing a fairly decent job, but looking at this graphic now with one minute and 54 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter, it was Buffalo 29 Kansas City 26. The final on this game was 42-36. I mean, that's outstanding. 31 points got scored within the final, you know, 154 of the game in regular, in the regulation part of the game and the overtime, which we do need to get to uh, overtime, but I think there's more stuff we need to talk about. I think there's two points I'd like to bring up. The overtime would be the last one. The one before that, and I want to ask you, I didn't ask you about this yet, but I said it when it was happening. If Kansas City was out of timeouts, Mm -hmm. I would have been fine with Buffalo kicking the ball through the end zone because if they're out of timeouts, the middle of the field's not available, and I want to eliminate a return at that point because that's the play that probability is is more likely to beat me, hence the Music City miracle from years Mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. But, always a but. When Patrick Mahomes has two timeouts and you got a guy like him who could throw the ball 70 yards in the air, okay? When I kick that ball through the end zone, that means there's three plays at this point because he's going to get two plays with his timeouts and he's going to have a third play, whether that's an end zone heave or in this case, it ended up being a kick. I said, as soon as I saw the two timeouts, you got to put this ball, either pooch it or put it on the ground, and a couple things can happen. They can either fall on it and no time runs off the clock, but guess what? They're probably starting exactly where they started anyway, the 25. Or you entice them to try to return it, and they're going to burn five or six seconds. So even if they get to the 40-yard line, now they've only got two plays at most. Uh, you know, that's it's that seems a little hindsight-ish if I could jump I swear I said it as they were lining up no I I I I feel you and um you know that was mentioned during the broadcast if I could jump into the headsets of the Buffalo Bills right now there are a slew of and I don't remember who went back to field the kickoff but there are a handful of guys on Kansas City who could pick up a kickoff even one that's squibbed and run that thing all the way back or in 13 seconds, get to the 35 yard line, get pushed out of the 30 yard line and allow them to set up for a kick. So you have that in the back of your mind and you say to yourself, 13 seconds left in the game. Um, you know, we're not a terrible defense. We can kick this thing deep and you know what? Keep these guys out of field goal range. 
with essentially two plays left. And that's well, just let me not ask what you happened. this. You got two timeouts. The whole field's available. You're starting on the 25. Your kicker's got a huge leg. So at 35-yard line, he's comfortable. That's 52 yards. He may, That's easily makeable. They've only got to go 40 yards. That's two 20-yard bullets from a guy like Holmes. I mean, listen, you just got to feel like our defense can stop that. I, I listen, If you can't I, stop that, you know what, man? You don't deserve to be in this end thing anyway. So I, I don't you. know. Um, there's, those are snap decisions that are made late in the game. I more didn't really care for the defense. They ran somewhere in between what Buffalo did in that last drive and regulation and what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers called. And that last fatal play is the defense that should be run in both of those situations. Some, it falls somewhere in between that. Well, I just don't understand on that play when they need 20 yards or 15 to 20 yards to get within range, how, a guy like 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 Kelsey is running down the seam essentially by himself because you're probably worried about that other guy. Good God, man! When when ten caught that football and outraced everyone, and by the way, threw up a peace sign, which if we're being, <laughs> if we're being a hard ass on the taunting penalty, probably should have drawn one. But he made everyone look like his son out there, and it was just <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Um, what a talent. And so you're yeah. worried about 10. You're really, that's who you're worried about because it's yeah. 13 seconds. You're worried about 10. You just don't think 87 is going to catch a ball and travel that far with it. But your quarterback has a howitzer and he can hit anyone anywhere at any time. Yeah. So let yeah, me they're a pain you, in the ass. What do you, the overtime rules and, and you and I have had these discussions a lot over the years. Why does the NFL make everything so difficult? Well, we may f- we may finally fall on the on the opposite side on, on an issue here. I think all the fans today that are crying about the overtime rules should really, really dry their tears, especially the ones that are saying they should adopt the college football overtime. No, no, college football is a disaster. Are opinion. you out of your mind? Do you want to see these two teams play another hour of football and then be three sheets to the wind when they line up next week? I don't think so. Um, no, I'm not suggesting college football, but my suggestion was, was always this, whether it's regular season or or the playoffs, Mm -hmm. you kick off. Yes. Okay. If, if, if I throw a pick six or I get safety, well, the game's over. We both touch the ball. Sure. I go down and score. You get the ball. If you score the next score wins. It's to me, it's like a baseball game, Chad. What if, what if we said, well, first score wins and the leadoff hitter in the top of the 10th hits a homer. (laughs) I don't think it's quite the same, but I feel like this. All right, you lost a coin toss. That sucks. You still got to play defense. You know, quite frankly, the Buffalo Bills, as you picked them, I picked them. We had both picked them in August to be in this final game, which, by the way, on on two BS type of games, both of our picks are out. We were looking so golden. I was like, there's no way we don't get one of our teams in here. And we have a history of doing that. And then the most exciting weekend of playoff football, we went up and smoke on that. But I know where you're going with this. Go ahead. You couldn't get a stop with 13 seconds left in regulation after a kickoff. And then you just let the team walk down the field after winning the toss. And you don't belong in a Super Bowl. Well, here's my theory on that. I think the game's evolved to the point where between the calling, the way the game's officiated, the rules, it's an offensive game. And the, the statistics show you that. And that's where I would fall over to your side. 
Yes. And to me, if you're going to make the game offensive, well, then you have to account for the fact that there's a higher probability than 20 years ago that the team that wins the toss will score a touchdown. Right. And I just don't like a season ending on a, on a coin flip. Yeah. You can make the argument. Yeah. If they stopped them, they would have gotten the ball. Well, guess what? I guarantee you Kansas city was happy. They won the coin flip. Oh, no. Did you see him run off? Right. Like we have Mahomes. We both know there's a high chance that had Buffalo won this coin flip, they would have scored a touchdown. Yeah, because, you know, Gabe Davis was happy. That was his playground yesterday, four yes. touchdowns. So they I were going to, they probably is, were going to leave him uncovered once again. I don't get college or the pros at this point. They each have a bastardized system where to me it would just be simple kick the ball off, you score, the other team gets the ball. They score, next score wins. It's not, I mean, to me, it's not rocket science. Yeah, you know, Amal, I will fall over to your side on that. If you if you're going to change the rules, um, if you're going to adjust the rules for more offense and make it easier to score, then yeah, I'm with you. The chances are, um, especially in a game like this with these two kind of uh quarterbacks and the weapons that they have, that a score is gonna happen because we can't hit the quarterback high or low. We definitely can't hit any right. receivers over the middle. We can't put hands on any receivers outside. And we got 50-yard penalties with guys that could throw the ball that far. So if I heave one up, I might even get a 50-yarder. Absolutely. So there are ch- the, the chances are a lot higher that I will score a touchdown. And it just seemed, seemed kind of wrong for Josh Allen to have sat in that bench <laughs> for the entirety of that segment of the game and not even get in there. So – yeah, if you're going to make it that easy to score, then yeah, maybe we do adopt. And let's be honest, you, you're you, you're a good defensive coordinator. You wouldn't have wanted to try to figure out how to stop Patrick Mahomes at that point in the game. I mean, yeah, you want to accept the challenge. But that doesn't mean I would have been successful with it. I have some theories and ideas, but they're great until guys like number 10 runs around and out he outruns the chalk that you put on the board. Or 87 does something slick and gets open and breaks three tackles that you could you would have counted on once you were drawing it up on the grease board. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's easy in theory, it's harder in practice. Would you, Amel, though, have a coin toss after both teams score, or it's okay, the second team scored, we're kicking off. What would you do? Uh after no, just no, you win. I mean, you're never going to get any system in life to be perfectly fair. I mean, you toss a coin, one team gets the ball first. If the other team doesn't want to go through defending again, if they were to score, go for two and win the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, at that point, each team, my point is each team would have had an opportunity to, to remove a luck component, a coin toss. So if your team, you were coaching Kansas city, you score 43, 36, I'm coaching the bills. We score. I got a decision now. Do I want to kick an extra and kick it back to Mahomes, and knowing that the next score ends the game, or do I go for two and let my guy decide if I go to the uh, the AFC Championship game? To me, that's the fairest, most equitable way to decide these kind of games. You know, you may have won me over there, um, even though I don't. I'm not in love with equitable those type words. Yes, I understand. It's a, it's a very it's a very opaque word, but my. You see what I'm trying to say? We're never going to have a perfect system. But in that scenario, each coach then and each team had a decision to make. Hey, Kansas City could have scored first. And if in, in what the system we're talking about, they might have said, screw it. We're going for two because we don't think we're going to stop Buffalo. Let's make them make a two-pointer to even send this game, you know. <laughs> well, hey, National Football League, your season's about to be over in about three weeks. 
um, Roger Goodell and you guys, when you get in there to have that, you know, uh, extra meeting that you have every year that you probably don't need. When you guys get in there, I uh, have a few requests as a lifelong NFL fan. How about we get rid of that taunting penalty that one of the couple of your older, older screw face one foot in the in the, in the grave um, general managers wanted to have because they think it's polo. General managers. How about one of these owners? They owners. Probably, my bad. Yeah, my they, bad. Not they the general. Had their pinky in the air, going. I think it's so wrong. Yeah. Um. A couple of guys with their hand pushing out of their freaking coffins through the dirt decided they that they wanted to be and realized that this is not. These are people from impoverished backgrounds legally going at each other and stuff's going to happen and your game has changed. Maybe we get rid of the taunting and maybe we adopt this overtime rule that Emil has presented here because I think it makes a whole lot of sense. And just as a bonus, maybe, maybe, maybe we consider having pass interference be a 15 or maybe even a 20-yard penalty and not a spot foul since it's so... Do you know what I proposed years ago and somebody said to me, they had the audacity to say, you're leaving it up to a judgment call. I said, how about we just do this? We take almost a combination of the two rules, college and pro. If you're just going for the ball, you and I were were hand fighting and I push you, but you you know, it's not like I grabbed you and tackled you. It's a 15 yards penalty at most or Mm -hmm. spot, you know, a spot foul if it's 12 yards. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if I clearly beat you almost like a breakaway in the NBA, when they call Mm -hmm. the foul and I just turn around and tackle you, that's the one thing I don't like about the college game. You're beaten and the kid doesn't even make, he just turns around and says, heck, I'll yeah, give you. Yeah, it's kind of like the flagrant foul thing. Then it becomes a spot foul and it could be more than 15. And they said, well, I've had people tell me, well, Emil, you're you're asking the official to make a judgment call. They make judgment calls all day. The entire damn thing's judgment. Right. Why can't You think there's not a lot of judgment calls going on uh, with offensive linemen versus defensive linemen and you better pay closer attention. Yeah, what's wrong with that proposal? I mean, then at least- you stop the the DB who's clearly beaten from just saying, hey, I'll take the 15 when he's already 30 yards down the field. I like it, Emily. You need to, you know, barge your way into that rules committee um, and take a spot in there and get this thing fixed. So let's just do that. I'm sick of the spot files on Tiki Tack BS that's getting called. It's How about the call yesterday in the Kansas City Buffalo game? And I think it was on uh, the Buffalo DB gets called for pass interference. When the two guys are running down the field, shoulder and shoulder, normal bumping, the, the Kansas City guy separates himself. At yeah, the end we're of not the even row. calling the push-offs by by the offense. No, they he pushed off. He separated himself. Clear push off. They call the pass interference on the kid from Buffalo, and he's looking like you're talking about me. <laughs> you know what this league's problem is, Emil? As we get ready to wrap things up here, I just think we've reached a point where there's a certain amount of points that get scored every game. And now we can't have a situation where we start making rules, uh, we being the NFL, where we start curtailing and dropping those numbers in the other direction. And last night's game was um, a big case in point for the league and their rule makers. And everyone, everyone felt vindicated that is moving in the direction of having more offense in games because a 42-36 football game was called the greatest game ever played. Well, I found it great because of the quarterback play, the level they played the position at. But I'll be honest with you, I'd be more inclined if I removed the teams who played. I, I would enjoy a game much more like the Titans-Bengals game in a playoff game. You, you give me something 23-20 where there's stops, there's turnovers, the defense is, is holding their own. I enjoy that. That's me, though. 
Yeah, 100 percent. The throws made over the middle nowadays. I just know when I started watching this game, (laughs) you just didn't do that. You just didn't throw those kind of footballs. You don't throw into the seam like that and expect to get. Well, you did. But if if you if you didn't want your wide receiver or tight end ever talk to you again. Yeah, well, (laughs) I might not remember your name. after. Right, right. Um, that's just the way that it is. So listen, um, we're wrapping up a really great weekend. You know, we sounded like two cranky old men here at the end, but we we want this great game to be even better. Um, but there's no topping. I don't know how you top what we just saw this weekend. Maybe they'll figure a way uh, out to do that in these games and, in, in, you know, championship weekend. Um, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people should ever take our you know, constructive, I would call it constructive criticism. If we didn't care about the sport, we wouldn't even think about it. We'd be like, Hey, whatever. It's yeah, all- everything's great. It's just everything's great. great. Listen, yeah. um, uh, you know, I don't have any personal rooting interest anymore, but like I told you of a text, man, I wouldn't mind seeing a Kansas city uh, versus Los Angeles Super Bowl. Um, you know, it'd probably be super. Yeah. Exciting. I mean, there's a lot of storylines here. I mean, to be honest with you, if Burrow pulls it off, how, how good of a storyline would that be? Yeah, I mean, listen, any any combination of the four would be good. Uh, just for me personally, I think a Kansas City Rams matchup would. Well, almost, that's what I'm rooting for myself personally. But yeah, it would it would almost know. be like the I want to say it was 1998 that we got. What year was that? We got robbed of the Minnesota Vikings versus Denver Broncos. Oh yeah, that was 98. That's the, the Vikings missed the uh, field goal. Yeah, that sucked. I really, really wanted to see that. I felt like we got robbed. But anyway. All right, that's it for us here and our, um, you know, emergency. What a great NFL weekend show that we've put together here for you. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Once again, before you head out the door, go ahead and subscribe to us here um, on whatever you are using to stream this Spotify, Apple podcast, whatever you're using. Go ahead and subscribe there so you're notified when we pop on here and do another great show for you. So for Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll see you guys later on this week.